The InStuff Podcast is brought to you by ScratchBand. Hey, guess what? I've got some bad news. Your hands are trying to kill you. But don't worry about it too much because my hands are trying to kill me and pretty much everyone's hands are trying to kill them because our hands are going around and picking up germs and disease from the surfaces around us and then spreading them into our systems whenever we touch our bases. Until now. Thanks to ScratchBand's patent-pending technology, you can use your wrist instead of your hands to scratch your face and shield yourself from all that nastiness on your fingers. More information at scratchband.life. ScratchBand, join the evolution. talking for an hour <laughs> how does that happen oh my gosh yep i know because neither of us really talks much to anybody else that's really true how the hell do we have a podcast <laughs> i don't know i mean half of what reason we have a podcast is just because there's all this stuff in my my head that's why i asked you because there's all this stuff in my head i just wanted to get out okay because of coronavirus well, and I used to have a radio program. That dawned on me the other day. I used to spend two hours every day on the radio talking about stuff. Right. Getting it out of my system. And now that I don't have that, I have all these ideas I think the world needs to hear. So <laughs> They're just creating internal pressure. Yeah. You don't let them out. <laughs> Kristen. Yeah. So good to see you again. You were my savior this weekend. <laughs> It was a beautiful day on Saturday, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but it was a yeah, is right. So yeah, I had I don't want to say the worst weekend ever because certainly like it could have been worse. Th- there are you know I- I've had loved ones pass away. I've had worse experiences, but in terms of in the cal, let's put this in the caliber of like possessions it was kind of like that it was the worst weekend of my life i think (laughs) and it started out so good saturday morning i couldn't sleep because it's sunny all the time i wake up early like six i'm getting going and my plan for the weekend was do replace the fuel lines on the delorean because they have a tendency to crack and blow up the car because they're 40 years old so (laughs) But things are still going great. But the DeLorean's running fine. Right. So in my head, I'm like, don't wreck something that's doing good. Like, don't don't screw something up. But it's hard not to screw it up because this is a pretty serious thing, you know. Right. And so long story short, I dropped a part, and I thought that was bad. I dropped a part and spent an hour trying to find it, and I couldn't find it. And it turns out it was a convergence, a moment of convergence. (laughs) (laughs) And so then that's when my day like went really, I thought went really bad. And then I, then I learned what really bad is. (laughs) So I'm really, I'm really depressed because, and the thing is, so it was a part that connects the fuel line to the engine. 
I'm replacing those two, which isn't 100% necessary, but is one of the things they recommend with this replacement fuel line kit that I got. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it all. Let's just do it all right so I don't have to worry about it. Right. And I, I got five of the six cylinders fine, you know, not perfect, but fine. And this last one, of course, is in the most difficult to reach spot. And so you basically have to like clamp these two pieces. You have to clamp, screw them together. One goes above and one goes below the connection. And the one that went below the connection fell off somewhere. And I don't know where that is. So now I, I can't replace that last one. But as I deal with the mourning of having lost that piece somewhere in the engine, I realize I've still got the old connection. I'll just put the old one in. And that'll be fine, you know? Like, I'll still have a running car. And I'm just coming to the terms of, like, this is going to be okay when the Subaru that I'm driving to take my daughter to an activity dies on the way home. On the road. Yeah. And so I, well, it, it, I can tell it's the alternator because electronics start dropping off like the speedometer stops working and the and then the power goes because the fuel pump isn't getting power anymore so you can like just i could like floor it i could go like 30 oh, no. so i'm like pull off and fortunately i have a great place to pull off and then the car dies and then i'm like okay what do i do so i then this is when you start thinking about who are the my favorite people in the world <laughs> Who don't have anything in their lives going on. <laughs> Who are probably not super busy. <laughs> and uh, and you made the list. Of course. <laughs> and you text me right back. And I was like, oh. And so, Kristen, I just want you to know, you're like in the inner, inner, inner circle of, <laughs> of friends. I'm if, glad that I was available to help because I have been in a similar situation. Yes. I would love to be there for you sometime. <laughs> Thanks. It might happen. <laughs> So you come and you rescue me. Let's just say that. I managed to, you know, limp the car to the gas station. Now my daughter is at this activity <laughs> and, like, has no way home. Aww. So I have to text her. And, like, fortunately her mom was there. I'm like, can can mom give you a ride back? Because uh, the Subaru just died. So now I'm really, really depressed because this is also the weekend I decided to basically incapacitate the DeLorean is the same day the DeLorean, which was running great. If I had done nothing this, to it this weekend, this weekend would have been really not a big deal. Uh, but I decided to make it better. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to put this other old part back in and get the DeLorean running again, and then I'll have a car, and then everything will be better. Because I don't go anywhere, but I have to take my daughter places all the time. So I'm just like freaking out. How am I going to pick her up, take her to work, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, you dropped me off. I asked if you wanted to hang out. You didn't, which is fine. <laughs> I had a meeting later on that evening, oh, too. right. So okay. I actually had to get stuff done. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're going to pull this thing out. And I'm pulling. I had the screws in already, waiting for the bottom part to screw them down in. So I'm pulling the screws out with my little grabber. This is laparoscopic surgery I'm doing on the DeLorean. I can't literally with my fingers reach this part hardly at all. Jeez. So I pull one screw out. I think it's fine to pull the other one. Boop. It goes right down into the hole. <laughs> and that's when like oh. cold fever strikes. And um, 
I just reach a level of sadness that I had not experienced in quite a while. In that moment, did you feel like you had totally just bricked your entire yeah. DeLorean? I thought I was toast. Uh. I thought like, this is over. This DeLorean is now, just roll it right to the dump. <laughs> a lawn ornament. Yep. <laughs> That's and terrible. Anyway, long story short, every basically everything, long story long, everything broke. This weekend, I found it very amusing when you dropped me off and you said, and you were like, well, you've got other ways to get around. And I was like, what? You're like, well, you got that robot that we bought. I'm like, the right wheel doesn't work. <laughs> they shipped it to me with a broken wheel and they still haven't replaced it. Well, what about your bike? Well, it's got a flat tire last summer. I have a replacement tire, but the bike isn't working. Anything with a wheel, though. Like, you live at the top of a hill, and at the bottom is town. What about the go-kart? Nope, the go-kart broke a few years ago. Meant to be replaced. What about the... a garage creeper? I have a (laughs) snowblower. Nope, snowblower broke a few (laughs) couple winters ago. It won't go. It'll start fine, but it'll go about three inches, and then it will lock. Because, like, there's something wrong with the automatic locking system. So, the snowblower's broken. So the only thing I have is a one-wheeled skateboard. You have a one-wheel. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. But it's not the one-wheels that actually can go places. It's a, it's a, basically a skateboard with a wheel in the very middle of it. And that is the only mean of, means of transportation besides my feet that was working this Wait, weekend. the one-wheel is kind of cool. It's it not is. the actual one-wheel, though. No. The, the one-wheels with the big like robust middle wheel those can actually like go across grass and stuff this one needs perfectly flat it's Mm -hmm. way more about looks than it is about actual functionality gotcha and it has a tendency to die without notice and when it dies the wheel locks and you you eat concrete and i've eaten concrete like probably five times on this thing to the point where i would set a timer because there was no clear indication of when it was going to die and i was like okay it seems to die like it has a power indicator that's really unreliable (laughs) And yeah, it doesn't just like come to a nice coasting stop. It just like, bam, locks up. That's not cool. And you are on the ground before you know what's happened. Gosh. Among other reasons. So anyway, I just had the most horrible weekend ever. But now, amazingly, the Subaru is fixed. And I'm hoping that I don't make you mad in this podcast that you won't give me a ride to go. (laughs) Otherwise, I have to fix my bike. (laughs) You better be nice. So I'm going to be super nice, not interrupt, and I'm going to agree with everything you say. Boring. And I bribed the mechanic at the shop that's fixing my Subaru to come out tonight and fish out this bolt. Because I can see it, but I can't get it out. He's super cool to come all the way out. Yeah, it's about 10 minutes. I offered him a lucrative amount of money to do it, too. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, it's not free. Okay. No. He's going he's gonna to get, this would be the most money he's made per minute. <laughs> If he can get it out in like less than four hours, he's probably. If he can get it out in less than eight hours, he's probably still making more than. Oh it. crap! I offered him a lot of money. Right on. Because <laughs> I wanted instant, like I wanted him to say yes, and I wanted him to come out now, and that's how much it's worth to me. Right on. So that's the context for today's conversation about autonomous cars. Is that I am in a um, emotionally. I was going to say bankrupt place. I'm out of emotion. I'm out of brain power. I literally yesterday was trying, was walking by, <laughs> like walking by parts that I, that I was looking for, like large things. I would set one thing down, 
go look for something else, find that. And I couldn't remember where I set down the first thing. Oh. I would literally just walk right by it. And I was like, it was in my hand two minutes ago. And now I can't see it. And I'm going up and down stairs, up and down stairs. I was just like having a nervous breakdown. It was yeah. insane. You, the universe totally had you off. So I've decided I have too many things. I own too many things that can break. Oh. So you were going to make, you were going to draw kind of some parallels between that <laughs> and segue into self-driving cars. Yeah. But the self-driving, you actually like self-driving cars. Yeah. Yeah. I desperately want a self-driving car. And after this weekend is more evidence for why. Because I don't want to own a car anymore. I want to own a DeLorean. I'm okay with that. But I don't want to own a car for everyday transportation because it's expensive. I have to insure it. And I use it so little that the cost per ride is in terms of money and time and everything. And I have to store this thing and I have to plug it in in the winter. So if there were a Waymo here, you would you would participate? If there was an auto-driving car that would come and pick me up. Yeah. And that's the problem is I don't live like in town. Yeah. So I want, it would be so much more efficient, basically car sharing. I just, I think like a lot of people, not a big fan of taxis. They're expensive and there's just like the human interaction part is kind of weird. I just like taxis, like my worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And so if we had auto driving cars, well, I, I would have had just, so many less problems. Yeah, you wouldn't weekend. have to. Essentially, you wouldn't be worrying about the maintenance. Imagine a world where my car broke down is not a problem anymore. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't like when my vehicle breaks down. I don't like mm-hmm. that to be the the first point of failure in yeah. my day. And I mean, think about how much you spend on your car, and unless it's a classic car, it's going down in value. Mm-hmm. So. Not only is it really expensive, but it's losing a tremendous amount of money. And you bought yours new, right? I bought. My, I always buy my vehicles new, and I warranty them because I don't want to think about them for years. Mm-hmm. So it's worth it to me to not right. have. I will pay money so I don't have to think you're, about it. You're paying a, a significant amount of money yeah. to not have a this problem. Yeah. Imagine if you could pay much less and just have somebody else maintain it. You know. <laughs> The other thing, that would be great, but I also, I am of the mind that I want my own vehicle. Why? Because there, I just do, I use my vehicle for more than just getting from point A to point B. It mm-hmm. does it does work for me, and it does work where I need it to do heavy, dirty things mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. And in places that are not pleasant to drive in. All right. I see your point. I have some counterpoints, but let's... Before we get too far into this, let's okay. go through our normal order, which is let's define what we're talking about. <clears throat> and because there's degrees of autonomy. True. So the the ultimate in autonomy when it comes to cars is a car that entirely drives itself. In fact, there is no manual controls. Wait. So I watched the documentary that you recommended. Yes. Autonomy. autonomy. Yep. Yes. And they said the ultimate autonomous vehicle is what we have now it can go anywhere off of a network off of a grid you know you're telling it where to go wherever you want to go oh well a i haven't seen that documentary in quite a while okay and b because of last weekend i didn't really prep very well for this. 
and well, C, I'll bring up I disagree. The I disagree. That's that's fine. So they're saying the cars we have that we drive ourselves are the ultimate autonomous cars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's crap. Okay. <laughs> because there's nothing autonomous about a th- something that requires operation. So your definition of autonomous is without human intervention. Correct. Okay. My my, for the purposes of this discussion, my version of the f- the f- the complete end of progress in autonomous cars is a car that can navigate anywhere where a car a car would normally operate today in all weather all times of day i mean within reason obviously a car can't make it up an icy hill but basically a car that can do everything my car can do right now but all by itself yeah but all of the the conditions that you just outlined kind of make that level of autonomous car self-driving car impossible for fairbanks where we live Mm, it's not impossible but well there's icy roads for a lot for large stretches of time remember i i'm trying to to replace what i have right now okay so i'm not trying to do anything that's better than what i have right now i just want to be able to achieve what my subaru can do right now which is, you know, it's got studded tires, so it can make it up my driveway even when it's really nasty. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't get stuck, really. Well, I think I didn't make it up my driveway once this year. <laughs> it was a nasty year. I got year. stuck trying to you go up. You got stuck. The, <laughs> Su- the Subaru, I think because I have the studded tires, does a little bit better. But And your vehicle's light. Yes, it's it's lighter. And um, anyway... So I'm not. I'm looking for more. I'm not looking for an autonomous vehicle that can, you know, make it up the hill by my house when it's when it's icy or anything like that. But I want something that is a, a horizontal swap for what I have right now. Right. So that's that's what we're looking for now. The degrees of it, you know, going back to cruise control. Probably our first example of some degree of autonomy. Do you use c- cruise control when you're driving? When possible, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? I never do. Why not? I don't. <laughs> you don't trust it? It's not that I don't trust it. I really like driving. Okay. Yeah. Great. And I, I think there's a place for that because obviously with the DeLorean, I don't, I want to drive that car. I don't want that driving itself. So I'm with you that driving is fun. But I want driving to be an option, not a requirement. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so going back through autonomy, auto- autonomy, there was, do you remember in, I think, the 90s, they had the automatic seatbelts? No. So, it was a seatbelt that would go along the window <gasps> oh, yeah. frame. You would get in and it would just automatically close. it would automatically close, but then you'd still have to do the belt yourself. Yeah. I have a great story about that. My uncle had one. My uncle Paul, who always has hilarious things happening to him. <laughs> and this is one of my favorites. He got into the car. For whatever reason, he had an ice cream cone. He's a quirky <laughs> guy. But he was also like wearing a suit because he sells insurance. So we have a suited man with an so ice cream cone. a suited cone. man with an ice cream cone. Picture that. Gets into car. And <laughs> the automatic belt, which he forgot he had, clo- closes... <laughs> And pulls the ice cream cone into his chest. Oh, poor man. 
if he'd had it in the right hand, he would have been okay. Oh. <laughs> so that's my recollection of those. And those have, those have gone because, yeah, I mean, the idea was we're going to make everyone buckle up. Right. Which is nice, but you still have to do the lap belt yourself. And it was just, yeah, I think people hated it. It was mm-hmm. kind of scary, too. It seemed like a lot of bad things could, could happen. If you, like, yeah, get in your car with, like, what anything in your hands. I'm sure my Uncle Paul was not the only person to have an ice cream cone jammed into his chest. It's a lot of coordination. Uh-huh. <laughs> I totally forgot about those seatbelts. Yep. Yeah, so that was like a 90s thing, if I recall. Fortunately, those are gone. And then the auto parking stuff became kind of a thing, probably maybe early 2000s or so, where you'd have cars that would parallel park for you. Have you ever used No, that? I've never had a car that could do that. Neither have I. And I also, I mean, I understand parallel parking can be kind of stressful, but to me, it's like a, a badge of honor and also hugely embarrassing when I can't do it well. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something that I would be a little bit nervous about and considering I'm, I'm okay with a car driving itself, but yeah, if, I would, I would have been a little bit anxious the first time I I tried auto park, you know. Okay. So moving on from that, then we get into, you know, Teslas of today and whatnot, which have basically like a smart um, cruise control that will allow you to track the car in front of you. Okay. So, because that was one kind of irritating thing about cruise control. You come up behind somebody and they're going like two miles slower than you. Right. Because they're on cruise control two miles slower than right. you. Yeah, exactly. I remember driving with, even with my parents when I was little, that would happen. Mm-hmm. And I would get anxious as a kid. I'm like, no. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, we got um, Teslas that, in theory, can drive on a road by themselves now, which leads to people sitting in the back seat while the car is driving or there was the first autonomous car death not too long ago where the Tesla driver hit a semi-truck that pulled out in front of it. Yeah. And Tesla didn't recognize. They showed that in, that, in the yeah. autonomy mm-hmm. documentary. It looked terrible. Yeah. And it, the, the vehicle had misread the environment because the sun was hitting the camera oh, at the wrong angle. Wow. So it wasn't even that it yeah it was it was absolutely the vehicle that was at fault there. Well, the truck pulled out in front of him, right? No. no? The, he hit that truck in the middle of the turn. It was already in the middle of its oh, turn. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't mm. just hit the front of the truck or the back of the truck. It was in... I thought part of it too was that it was the trailer, so there was technically nothing in front of the car. It was just like the windshield. Like didn't he kind of go under it? Yeah, so it was the trailer. That, mm-hmm. That's a good question. So anyway, these are some sort of... So that's in, in a quick summary about where we are with autonomous cars. Is there anything you want to add about the history or, or Having those sorts now? of sensors. So I think that the sensors just aren't there yet. That kind of proves the point. Mm-hmm. You know, that particular case is an extreme. Mm-hmm. But even the vehicle I drive now has one of those um, collision detection systems where mm. it tells you if you're coming up on something too quickly. Really? Or Does it auto-brake for you? 
No, but okay. it'll alarm. Yeah. So it tries to get your attention, and it mm-hmm. also has lane detection. So if you have lane detection turned on, it'll like the steering wheel will vibrate. Oh wow! If you cross a line. Okay. Which is really distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will misread the environment occasionally, especially if you're going around a curve mm-hmm. and it sees there's another vehicle, but it's not technically in your path of travel. Wow. Uh, these alarms will come up and I'm like, oh, man. Wow. Because I'm usually not thinking about having an alarm mm-hmm. just totally start in the middle of <laughs> yeah. driving and, and it will. So that kind of throws me for occasionally. Is it more your... Is it, does that make it more irritating to have it? It does. Do you, do you sometimes wish it didn't exist on that car? I really, yeah, I don't, I don't like it because I feel like I've, all of the times where it's alerted me that mm-hmm. I've been too close to a vehicle, I've either been aware of what's happening mm-hmm. or it has been a non issue because it misread the environment. And occasionally, like every day of winter, <laughs> I get a warning that the collision detection system isn't operating correctly because the sensors are covered in ice or snow. Oh, oh. Yeah. There's like a camera as part of it. Mm -hmm. And it's usually, I think, fogged up or covered in snow to the point that, yeah, it's not usable. It's, would you say it's not quite ready for prime time? Not if you're, so if you have a, if you keep your vehicle in a garage, it's probably fine. Oh, okay. Uh, just the unique challenges of Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But snow is not unique to Alaska. <laughs> it's not unique to lots of parts of the country. And so I really think that some of the technologies that they're using to for autonomous vehicles, whether they're reading lines on a road mm-hmm. or however they're doing it, especially mm-hmm. reading lines on a road, if there's ice and snow on the road, you can't read the lines. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. Well, in what car do you drive again, truck? It's a Ford Ranger, so it's a 2019 Ranger. Nice. Okay. Because this is one area, you know, I strive to be the latest in technology in many things, but not with cars. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would love to. I would... I mean, I'm not, again, a huge Elon Musk fan right now, but I I would love to have a Tesla right now, but it's just so expensive. They're really expensive. So I drive a 2006 Subaru Forester. That is my most recent car which is a smart car for this place right it's the basically the perfect car for alaska if you're wondering if you're coming up here and otherwise it's a 1982 delorean so that is a joke so i don't have i mean i've i have certainly driven newer cars than that but uh in terms of any sort of fancy features uh, I have to yield to you. Um, and what I have isn't isn't fancy. I would love to have some of those heads-up displays that um, project onto the windshield. I don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Yeah. I love... I, I'm not a motorhead. Like, I don't spend a lot of time taking a vehicle apart and putting it back together. But I really love dashboards mm-hmm. and, and driving and things like that. So mm-hmm. I can get into that a little bit. Yeah. You get into it meaning like you like oh. it or do you want to talk more about it <laughs> but i don't think it's relevant it. to this conversation oh, right. but i do like i like cars for those particular reasons like i like going to car shows and just looking at dashboards and mm-hmm. how how they've been designed because i mean there's so many decisions that go into that part of mm-hmm. make making a connection between the driver and what's happening with the vehicle and what's happening on the road and the surrounding environment mm-hmm. so that to me is really interesting mm-hmm. so i don't know it's not that I don't like 
self-driving cars or cars. It's just, I don't know. I really don't think that the technology is quite yet there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to talk a bit about what some some of the resistance to okay. autonomous cars because there's a lot of people out there who are like, uh-uh, this is terrible. And kind of like what we've seen with, or, or I've seen with people's reluctance with robots. They're like, uh-uh, I don't, this is a techn- technological advancement that I do not welcome. Autonomous cars fall into that because people are just really nervous about the potential for damage and death. Mm-hmm. And rightly so, but every yeah. time you get in your vehicle, I mean, you're weighing those odds already. Mm-hmm. So what irritates me in this debate a bit is that people are, to me, it's just really hypocritical <laughs> because they're okay with human error and, and they're okay with, you know, somebody driving a car and texting or being drunk and all these I'm things. not okay with that. That's well, just they they they're saying they'd rather have that than have an autonomous car, which is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. So my my thing, what I find so irritating is that autonomous cars have to have such an incredibly better, safer driving record than human operated cars before people will trust them. Mm-hmm. So even though even if they were half as good at not getting in accidents, people would be like, eh, because there's something super creepy to people which i guess i can kind of appreciate about being out of control i think it's why a lot of people are scared of flying because they're not the one operating the vehicle oh 100 so they're putting their trust in this unseen thing which happens to be a pilot but it's how much different is that than putting your your trust in a computer which we've all seen crash and do dumb things and i mean programs crash not literally crash but <laughs> yes so I'm I'm frustrated by how reluctant people are to adopting the idea of autonomous cars because of this irrational feeling that somehow it's better to have a really f- failable human behind the wheel than it is to put that in the hands of a computer. Yeah, I I agree with you on that point. It, that to me is not a rational mm-hmm. way to think about self-driving cars, because yeah, people make dumb judgment calls or mm-hmm. poor poor calls in judgment. Right. From being terrible drivers to getting behind the wheel tired or buzzed or drunk right. or any mm-hmm. number of things or just distracted. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so that is eliminated from a scenario if a computer is driving a car if at all possible Mm -hmm. but beyond being in an environment where you have a self-driving car driving with human other human drivers the self-driving vehicle offers so many other opportunities in um, like supply chain scenarios where you are either moving goods around the country or in a warehouse Mm -hmm. that documentary also had a farmer who was um, experimenting with self-driving vehicles. And I thought that was really, all of those were really great applications for these things that really freed up human time and Mm -hmm. made more efficient use of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to focus on the, I feel like we should do kind of a pros and cons. We can do that. Well, maybe I don't have any more. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Let me think a little bit more. Do you want to do this. pros first or cons? Pros. Let's do okay. pros first. Great, and then you can knock down all my pros. Oh gosh. Okay. So pros. <laughs> Number one, safer. Yes. Like eventually, uh, and I, and I, this I feel like I'm cheating a little bit. Like autonomous cars are safer than like okay, we got some development to do on that, but they would not be implemented if they were not significantly safer than True. humans. So we're we're gonna eliminate all of the things that humans do wrong intentionally unintentionally we're going to eliminate road rage to a degree you know but only among people who are in autonomous cars but we're going to reduce it you know are you a ragey driver no but sometimes i do punish people really yeah i get mad at people but i'm i'm not these days you don't want to like get into anything if you don't know who they are because yeah, it's a small true. town it's a small a town. small well-armed town <laughs> <laughs> that's true but i mean all, all the times i see people like this weekend run red lights um cut me off all these crazy people things that people do or just people that drive slow with mm-hmm. their turn signal on yeah. like they're expecting to do something and they never do right or people, what I what I hate is when people, you know, basically start slowing down for no apparent reason, and then just before they turn, they put on their blinker. Yeah. Oh, let's also talk about people that drive automatic vehicles with two feet. Ooh, that's dangerous. Yes. Wow. Yeah. If you don't do that right, you're gonna burn your brakes pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And it's really confusing to everybody around them. Right. No, that's true. Yeah, because you're like you're braking, mm-hmm. but you're not. You're going really... up a hill. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, safety, I mean, that's, I think, a large part of why we want autonomous cars in the first place is the safety element. Just, like, that aside. Is that your number one reason for an autonomous vehicle, personally? Well, that's the number one criteria. It has to be safer than a regular okay. driver. But, no. Um, I, I'm not terribly concerned about getting in a car. I've never been in a car accident, actually, really. You're I've very hit, fortunate. I know. I've hit deer before but that's basically it so for me the car accident side is it's it's there but that's not the main thing i'm excited about but for people who have been in accidents i mean i've been in life altering yeah like what how what was the impact of yours no pun intended well it made me a really paranoid driver for many years Mm -hmm. i was stopped at well i was so i was rear-ended twice significantly wow. both times i was stopped at a red light oh my gosh one time i got hit from behind in a compact car by oh. a suburban oh my gosh <laughs> the, it was really just a scenario like it was driver distraction mm-hmm. the guy that hit me was just fishing around for something on the floor of the passenger side of his vehicle oh my god didn't even see the red light and just hit me oh my gosh so that that was probably like you know, that happened. And then 10 years later, I was hit here in town. Wow. In the wintertime, I was rear-ended, stopped waiting for a light, and mm-hmm. ahead was a school bus. So there wow. were two things to look at ahead mm-hmm. of the road, and I was still rear-ended. And that was a high, not, well, it was a high, not high speed, but high enough that I hit the person in front of me, and they oh. hit the person in front of them. Oh, my god! So I spun around into the lane at beside me too and so uh-huh. it just kind of jockeyed everybody's vehicle around and so it was jarring mm-hmm. it totaled my vehicle wow so after both of those it takes a long time for you not to fixate on what's behind you when you're supposed to be looking right. at what's in front of you as a driver right. yeah yeah 
and the the problem with driving is we do it so often and nothing happens and right. we as humans start to assume that that's just if nothing happened yesterday nothing will happen today and that's just not the case with cars any day can be a different day mm-hmm. um so that's a little trap we kind of get ourselves in so safety all right that's huge let's not i mean we're talking about you know what tens of thousands of lives that could be saved every year in the united states we're not even talking about like the world if this became a worldwide thing yeah huge huge thing but uh on top the the main i think thing for me used to be (laughs) before this weekend it was how much time i spend just operating the vehicle for the sake for the sake of like other people driving kids around. You're a taxi driver. I'm a taxi driver and there are so many parents out there who spend hours every day. Some some spend hours every day. Mm-hmm. Definitely hours a week just going, picking up a kid, bringing them back, taking a kid somewhere, dropping them off. So there's a tremendous like just life efficiency. Now, I don't particularly mind. I found that in the car with my daughter is is when we have some of our best conversations so i don't really to me that 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 could potentially be a downside of this is less interaction and you lose the one-on-one time yeah but just in terms of the you know like taking my daughter to work going and picking her up blah 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 that's huge after this weekend um i don't want to maintain a car anymore (laughs) as i talked about before so one thing that I'm excited about with autonomous cars is the idea that car ownership basically becomes unnecessary. Or maybe you own a car that's just specific for, like you say, you like to do, you need to do dirty stuff with it. Yeah. So maybe you own one vehicle that you operate whenever you need to do that stuff that autonomous car can't do effectively. Right. But for the majority of stuff, you just like, you want to get to work? order an auton- autonomous car you have it come at the same time every day it's affordable i've had conversations with family members and they've been extremely excited about the prospect of a subscription service mm-hmm. for a vehicle right um and again like i had the same hesitation but they were really excited about that like you can have a number of different kinds of vehicle at your disposal mm-hmm. uh, to get to wherever you need to get to and then it, it goes away and right. you get a different vehicle I mean, think about how much time during the day you actually use your car. I'll have whole days it just sits there, right? But yet it it sit there, sitting there, losing money and wearing itself out. Even when it's not doing anything, the oil is still aging, the fluids are still aging. You know, All the gaskets are aging, everything. So if it what's I mean, amazing to me is think about if every. You know, if you took up how, so I drive a car for maybe half an hour a day. Mm-hmm. So one car that could efficiently go between people could be used by like 48 people. Right. And then it would be just in use all day long for 24 hour period. So this is the, the incredible inefficiency of owning a car is maddening to me. Um, and insuring it and all this other stuff. So, Having some sort of reliable subscription service like you're talking about, like, yeah, maybe you you have a monthly membership to this autonomous car club, and Mm -hmm. that means that you get unlimited 
driving or you can sign up for different plans and and so the car either comes at a scheduled time or I can order it and it will you know be here in 10 minutes or something like that so the personal driving element is huge the other thing to me well sticking on personal driving is the idea of autonomous cars revolutionizing how we get places because right now we we live in a big state you want to get to anchorage it takes it takes all day it, it's a all, yeah it's it's an eight hour drive unless it depends on the weather you're driving straight through and you don't get stuck behind an rv and you're speeding right imagine if and so that's eight hours of good light wakefulness that you used up just doing nothing more than steering a wheel you know and making sure you don't hit a moose or another car imagine if you could be like you know what i want to go to anchorage this weekend you hop in your autonomous car around you know 11 p.m you curl up in your sleeper and you and you sleep through that eight hour drive and when you wake up there you are in Anchorage, ready to go for the for the whole day. So the, imp- the impact this will have on airlines, it will have on trains, it will have on you know all other ways that we we get around. Right. If if I can just like why if you if I live in well I used to live in Michigan and where would I fly to I don't know fly to Florida. Um. Yeah. Imagine if I could, you know, get my car at five o'clock on Thursday, Mm -hmm. drive for a bunch of hours when I feel like going to sleep, go to sleep. The car drives right through all night. And then, you know, you can be in, you can be in Florida and have it cost you basically nothing. And you're, you're ready to go when you get there. They had some basic depictions of that in, in the documentary autonomy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also did an upload in that series because they have self-driving cars. Do you remember? Yep. Um, they just With have beds ex- in them. They yeah, you, mm-hmm. you can sleep and just you know do whatever <laughs> until you got do to your, whatever. Do yes. Whatever, okay. There quotes. is some adult content in that, and <laughs> there's there's a moment where the two main characters enjoy um, intimate moment in, an intimate moment in their vehicle when it's just like parked by the curb or something like yeah, that yeah i mean it seemed really public so it 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 presents the autonomous car is basically like a a moving part of your house like a room yeah in those cases i would not want a subscription service yeah that's true <laughs> yeah uh anything that had like a sleeping quarter would would add an el- a different element oh it just oh the subscription that just made me think of bed bugs i i'm oh, totally yeah. out Subscri- okay. i'm not in on You're the subscriptions the, at all at least for the sleeping car right well i mean yeah absolutely but i mean really... you'll you rent a car right if necessary yeah so i mean there's just the same chance somebody might have slept in that but unlikely <laughs> I never think about that well i'm sorry you're the one who brought it up <laughs> yeah but it, but the reason I brought up that the TV series upload is because they they depict self-driving cars as a regular part of life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And so certainly if, if, if you wanted to have your own and spend the money on that and, and not worry about it, that's a possibility. But that's an option. You don't 
have to own a car. I like the idea of having a self-driving car take you to a place Mm -hmm. and the option of just sending it back home. Exactly. So if Mm -hmm. you want to catch a ride or whatever. Right. Your vehicle is off somewhere else where somebody else can use it. No, no worry about parking, mm-hmm. you know, or any of those things as well. Um, so the transportation, revolutionizing how we get places is really exciting to me. Another thing that's that's exciting that kind of is back to cost is think about how much, especially up here, you pay to heat your garage and, and to have a garage, you know. As somebody <clears throat> who doesn't have a garage... I don't have the money to have a garage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you wouldn't need one. And this is a huge part of some people's houses is is the garage and having multiple car garages. Yep. It makes me wonder when, when autonomous cars become really ubiquitous, are people just going to like wall off their three car part of their three car garage and just make it more house or it's probably just going to start throwing with junk you can make it a workshop <laughs> it's sort of like having like a carriage house or something like that like okay i guess we're just gonna yeah make it a workshop or something so there's there's that element of it too that's a pro for me <sighs> what i mean oh the the other one that comes to mind is deliveries mm-hmm. where i live right now it's I guess I've learned there are some places I can deliver that I could get delivery through through some of the third party um, programs, but like if I want to call up a pizza place and get delivery, no one's delivering here. It's out of their range. <laughs> Which is funny because you're not that far out of town. Yeah, but I'm far enough apparently, especially from a lot of the major chain places. So, like right now, thanks to coronavirus, I go to the grocery store and I get grocery pickup. I drive my car there, they come out, they put it in my trunk, and then I drive home. Why not drop it in an autonomous vehicle, and then it can come to me? Imagine all the deliveries you could get. And I've, yeah, this was my problem yesterday. I needed three different things to fix my house. My water heater, what my I had no hot water, so I had to order a, a new hot water circulator <laughs> pump, because that was also not working. You've had a rough week. Yeah. And then basically two things I bought to try and solve my DeLorean problem. But I had no way to get to Lowe's, even though I had it ready for curbside pickup. I had to bum a ride to get to Lowe's to get them. Right. Well, why don't I, why didn't I have an autonomous car deliver it to me easily, affordably? Right. And, you know, I'll pay a couple bucks for that. But, so the the number of things we could get delivered, you know, looking at, even Amazon and other websites if the, starting, you know, how much they would save on that. What is it? Last quarter mile or whatever. That's so expensive right. for online delivery for many things, but yeah, for deliveries right. specifically. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the pros. Let's, let's talk about cons. What, so, what, what do you worry about or, or what things do you look at with autonomous cars and you're like, eh, to get autonomous cars to a point where there's wide adoption mm-hmm. and reliability, I think a number of things need to happen. One of, I think, the most important is that we need to revamp our infrastructure. Road, like All of those technologies rely on good roads and bridges and all of those things so that right. vehicles can still run. 
Right. It brings up a good point. I was pulling into m- where my daughter works at the co-op, and there's a huge pothole <laughs> in the um, in the parking lot that I'm. That's like five inches deep or something. It's insane. That is insane. And I'm only aware of it because I drop her off all the time. But it was full of water yesterday because it rained. So the person who was giving me a ride, I was like, watch out for the pothole. I forgot. Oh. Fortunately, it didn't do any real damage. <laughs> but an autonomous car, I can't imagine, would have any chance of recognizing that, that pothole. Yeah. And if particular parts of the, any part of the country that has mm-hmm. a spring breakup, that would be an issue. Right. Yep. So... There's that, I think that having wide adoption of autonomous vehicles also is is really going to upend industry, like parking industries. Yes. So like parking lots, anything like that, car rental companies will be... They're just going to go away. Car rental companies will be at least drastically hit. Delivery services will change. Like they'll be impacted. They, I don't Mm -hmm. think they'll go away, but they'll definitely be impacted. I think a lot of things really need to shift around to accommodate Mm -hmm. a self-driving car economy, uh, economy, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, they're interesting to think about. Um, technically I think that there are places in the country. What are you moving on from the, I'm going to move on, but I can wait. Okay. Because I want to agree with you on the employment thing as being one of the scariest elements of this. Okay. And so I, I just want to talk about that before you. Well, let's let's talk on. about employment. So you, yeah, I mean you're right. Car rentals are 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 going to take a hit. Parking lots are going to take a hit. Delivery delivery drivers, drivers are going to take a hit. Taxis, of course, are going to take a hit. Ubers and all that are going to take a hit. Um, did you just drop something? No, I like thought looking? there was a spider on me. Oh. <laughs> The spiders in my house are all friendly, so don't worry about it. Uh, one one of the probably bigger fears in all of this, and I believe they talked about an autonomy, is the um, long haul trucking. Yeah, I mean those those are careers. That's like, uh, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's from my understanding, really it's getting tough career. it's getting harder and harder to make a living at that. But when those jobs go away, these are a lot of jobs that are available for people either as a stopgap like oh you got laid off from here okay well i can drive for uber or i can drive you know for ups or something like that Mm -hmm. until because there's not a you don't need a a huge amount of experience you know when 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 those jobs go away that don't require a college education that don't require you know uh, obviously not all of them truck driving requires special certification, but you know, with a, a lower bar to entry, then like, what, do, what do people do? What, what jobs do they have? Yeah. How does, I think some people actually enjoy driving too. Yeah. Like they just mm-hmm. want to see different places and experience right. that. And I think yeah. that really scratches that itch for them. Yeah. What else would they do? And so up to this point, you know, there's been a fair amount of one industry disrupts things and and puts people out of work, but then another industry pops up to kind of take its place. So my hope would be that there's something coming, but you're just like, that's just a hope that something we we aren't even aware of yet, some industry will crop up as a result of this that will uh, provide employment for people who get displaced as a result of cars driving themselves i have uh, this is a totally different example but i have an uncle who has 
at different times have driven new vehicles to mm. different states just to deliver them. Yeah. Yep. And if the vehicle delivered itself, then like, yep. I think this was even retirement employment. Like mm-hmm. that just wouldn't be an option for yeah. people. Up here, we have the test cars. So we have oh, yeah. people who for side money or whatever will just drive around new models of cars, which they wrap in stuff. So which it's weird when you first see them, you're like, that car is like covered in some sort of cloth and it's, to keep it secret from the rest of us what this future car is going to look cloth. like. I always think that it's owned by somebody eccentric eccentric who likes to sharpie their vehicle. Oh, yeah. Because it looks like they've drawn on I, yeah, their vehicle. I don't know what it is. It's not cloth because that would be impractical, but somehow like they cover that, it up. Yeah, it's, it's like a like plastic a wrap or vinyl something. Vinyl decal. Yeah. Yeah. So we have people up here who, who make some money just test driving cars in our extreme Roush, environment. Roush is up here. Roush Industries. Okay. Yeah. And so... You know, those jobs would be gone. If it's an autonomous car, just send it out. And if it breaks down, you know there's something to fix. So um, I feel like I almost can't wrap my mind around all the potential jobs that would be. It would take I a mean, long time to think about it. It could affect up. airline travel. You might Absolutely. see a drop in airline travel because people are more likely to drive themselves places. You might see a drop in train travel, which I don't know. Not here, but in the lower 48, yeah. But maybe, yeah. I mean, here it's more of a, a fun, for fun thing. Yeah. Um, and, and other types of commuting like that. Well, imagine too, this just popped into my head because we have a tourist industry here. Mm-hmm. We have bus drivers that drive Denali Park. Right. And so all of those, I don't know if those would go away. Maybe. So they're driving the bus, but they're also giving the tour. And mm-hmm. They're pointing out sites and they're telling a little bit of history of the park. Maybe they still ride along, but right. they're not driving the bus anymore because it's going to drive itself. Of the places I'd be probably most concerned about having <laughs> an autonomous vehicle, it's Denali National Park. There's a few cliffs <laughs> that would make me really nervous. I think it'll be a long time before they replace those school buses and and tour buses but i even growing up in the east coast though uh i had family that lived in northern pennsylvania mm-hmm. and driving up in the mountains there especially in inclement weather people that do long haul trucking like there are tricks to driving those highways like they have pull-offs for mm-hmm. runaway trucks right yeah so what happens for a runaway truck when it's an autonomous vehicle well you know in theory it those are marked and it knows where to go and how to do it. But yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, when I'm talking about autonomous cars, I'm just sort of assuming these things have been figured out. Okay. You know, they're, they're not impossible to figure out. So someday they'll figure this stuff out. It's definitely not quite there yet, but so yeah. Um, this, the job displacement is a, is a concern. Another well, what was what were you going to move on to? I think I'm good on the job displacement. Let's just say okay. generally that is a major concern with autonomous cars. The next thing I was going to move on to really were exceptional environments. Uh-huh. So, so because because we live in Alaska, I think ice and snow really present huge barriers for a self-driving technology. Mm-hmm. Not only because they obscure vision and the road that whatever whatever signaling is in the road, but Mm -hmm. the cold temperatures can freeze computer systems here Mm -hmm. and do really strange things to them. Yeah. Let's just chalk up 
<laughs> You're just going to be like, everything's fixed. Technical problems. All right. I, I will give you there are lots of challenges to be sorted out with autonomous cars. I don't think that they are impossible to solve, but I, I grant it to you that there are a lot of challenges that autonomous cars have. It's yes, in technology but and I, operating. I just wanted to bring them up specifically because even new cars that come on the market today mm -hmm. that are here and that are brought to Alaska for sale still experience problems oh, yeah. with the cold. And oh, so, yeah. I mean, I, we, as humans, we deal with I them. bought a brand new car because I was ready for it to not have trouble and it like froze up uh. the first winter. And I was like, the whole reason I bought you, stupid piece of crap, was that you would work. <laughs> And you're not working. And it was, yeah, I don't know, something wrong with a brand new car. So I, I guess what I want to say is let's participate in a thought experiment. Okay. We live in a world where autonomous cars can do everything. Okay. So give me that. All right. Just <laughs> the technical I wanna, parts of I want to talk about, right. I want right. to talk about what the pros and cons of that world are and, and what challenges that that they face. So let's just assume everything's been fixed and autonomous car can do everything that a regular car can do. I wonder then what happens to the classic car market. Part of the classic car yeah. market really is about the vehicle as a precious object mm -hmm. that somebody has worked hard for or has these really nostalgic nostalgic feelings for that wept over. Yeah. <laughs> I think something You're preaching that, to the choir on this one. Something that that documentary brought up that I found a really interesting perspective is that, you know, now vehicles are precious objects because they are expensive and mm -hmm. a lot goes into that industry. But the self-driving vehicle becomes an extension of a home in the sense that it's an appliance mm -hmm. and that when you get in it, you expect it to run mm -hmm. the same way every yeah. time, every day. Uh, and that really changes the expectation for it as an object. Mm -hmm. And so then what what does it become years down the road? Does anybody feel nostalgic for their self-driving <laughs> Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> really? Anything that you lived in for a while, you'll feel nostalgic about, absolutely. You just, uh, it, I try to imagine myself as a child growing mm -hmm. up with a self-driving car and then becoming an adult and thinking back to like, oh, I remember those long drives. Maybe you remember those long drives where you could actually talk to your entire family without worrying about dying on a highway. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> I'm sure I'd be nostalgic for the carriage that I used to ride in when I was a kid, but I'm not because I didn't have one. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm missing out on. But so. And the horse that I, boy, I had good bonding with that horse. <laughs> Bessie, or that was oh, the cow. Bessie. Uh, Franklin, the horse who used to pull us around. Yeah, we should never replace horses on the road because people should have a warm relationship with their horse. And I don't want to give that up. Seriously, though, I think that would really change what, what the classic car is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think that human-operated vehicles will be interacting with autonomous cars for a really, really, really long time because we do just they're works of art mm -hmm. and they make a statement and i just like i'm addicted to driving the delorean around town and seeing people react it's like being friends with a celebrity it's amazing they a celebrity had, that like everyone loves you know they had converted a delorean to be self-driving though would you do that oh i thought they did um no they did it was in that documentary was it yeah 
Oh, it was one of those clips I'm where it was doing that. donuts. Yeah, that's the yeah. I remember that now because I was like, "There's no way my DeLorean can do donuts. It doesn't have enough power." <laughs> um, yeah, of course, why not? If it was like affordable, sure. But I mean, I, I now I see like it's like missing out on some of the fun. Can I bring up something that came to mind for a pro? Sure. Helping to reduce the um, income gap. Because right now, poor people who can't afford cars have to endure, well, forgive me if you work in public transportation, but you know, multiple transfers on the bus, waiting for the bus, or their car breaks down. Maybe they're in a place that they can't um, use public transportation. Their car breaks down, and that 200 bucks is huge. I mean, like, what... 40% of America or something couldn't handle a $500 shock, like out of nowhere bill. Right. So imagine autonomous cars make transportation so much cheaper that now people who are struggling at the, at the fringes don't have to spend so much money to get places and, and aren't knocked for a loop when they're because you know if you're an hourly worker and your car breaks down not only do you have the cost of the car but you also had the lost income Mm -hmm. so that in a way could help bridge this divide between the people like you and me who like how much this alternator cost in my subaru is the least of my problems right now (laughs) like i I don't blink it how much it's going to cost me to have them replace it yeah but for someone else, it would be a major shock and it would mean like we can't do other things or there's no Christmas this year or something, you know. Yeah. So that's that's another pro for me on the autonomous car line. Do you have thoughts on on that? Am I wrong? Do you think I don't know that I don't know that you're wrong. I feel like there will certainly be a, a gradient of autonomous vehicle like there will sure. of course be high-end and that there will of course be like consumer mm-hmm. base models right uh and subscription services or whatever whatever they happen to be mm-hmm. um i don't think that the super affordable scenarios are gonna be an option for a long time i agree but we're in this thought experiment <laughs> these exist all right yeah in the future in in that time when it does arrive do you agree that it it could help people who are who are I think there's potential economically for it. struggling? In that same vein, if we're assuming that adoption is not the barrier mm-hmm. and the technology is not the barrier, how do you think it will impact the environment in comparison to our current um the current impact of a combustion engine? Mm. Well, I am sort of imagining a lot of these are going to be electric. So you'll think they'll be electric. Mm-hmm. That still requires that they can be charged. Right. So you have an increased demand on a power grid. Yes. But that increase in demand is counterbalanced by the decrease in demand for fossil fuels. Okay. Which you could use to generate electricity. But, you know, in a perfect world, you're doing it renewably. And, I mean, one of the concerns with electric cars is range. Well... Imagine if an autonomous car drives you for two hours to another spot. Okay, this one's dead. It gets charged at this spot, and you just have to get out and get into another autonomous car, which takes you the rest of the way. Sort of like taking different legs of a flight. Now, 
my expectation is by the time that we get to the point where autonomous cars like that are around, the battery problem solved. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I would look at how many, how much less cars need to be made. That's a, that's another one that that I would be a concern. Is all the jobs that go into manufacturing mm-hmm. going away because not everybody needs to own a car? Not everybody needs to own a car. Does that reduce the required numbers of number of vehicles on the road, though? Yes. Okay. So. First of all, it reduces the number of cars that exist in general because it's like car saving. If five people share one car, then that's four less cars. That's that serving need to a be commuter made. industry, though. Yeah. So, commuter. So, yeah, if you look at like LA freeways, you'd have to look at how many people are driving to get themselves somewhere, how many people are driving to go pick something up and come back or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it would have to have an impact on road congestion. It just has to. Now, will it be so dramatic, you know, that it eliminates road congestion? I don't know about that. I would say that telecommuting is more likely to have a bigger impact on that. That's interesting. But one, one more thing about traffic is autonomous cars can less accidents with them. So you have less delays that way. And they can sync themselves up so like stoplights or something you can all everything can be coordinated and maybe you're not going 65 you're going 50 but you're going to get there faster because everything is beautifully merging with itself in an efficient way yeah so that that level of efficiency is really what made me ask the question about having less vehicles on the road because if there's a point where you can make more efficiency and you're in a, a logistic company, mm-hmm. then you are going to try to put more more trucks on the road to deliver the things that people are consuming mm-hmm. or wherever they need to go, whether yeah. it's for construction or Amazon deliveries or whatever. Oh, so you're saying the decrease in traffic because people aren't running errands could be offset by the increase in deliveries? No, now? I'm saying that the decrease in human error on the road mm-hmm. allows for more efficiency in the logist- supply chain logistics. Sure, yeah. That makes it possible to run more vehicles because they run more reliably. And there's like maybe even an artificial intelligence that's coordinating all of it. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although back to my argument that people will drive more instead of flying, that puts more cars on the road. Mm-hmm. It does. But at, potentially at weird times where right now you go out on, on most highways at 2 in the morning, it's dead. But imagine a world where 2 a.m. it's just as busy because everyone's asleep in their car. You know, it, that just brought <laughs> to mind another con where, uh, and I don't remember the name for it, where I had seen there's like... Essentially, it was a a green overpass that they had made over this highway system because wildlife couldn't cross the highway. Yeah, right. So if you have more traffic on a road at, let's say, in the evening when wildlife are more active, oh yeah, I think there's a greater impact on on that wildlife. Maybe that also needs to be taken into consideration. I'd want to do a little bit more research on that because growing up in Michigan, wildlife was always more active at like sunset like deer and that kind of thing but i guess i could see like 
nocturnal animal yeah raccoons and stuff wolves wildcats like there's that are all only at night yeah 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 that's a potential one thing that might help with that is if the cars are talking to each other Mm. that's one of the beauties of autonomous cars is they're autonomous but they're part of a network and so one car you know maybe sees something by the side of the road and it's alerting other cars behind it that there's something there or you know <laughs> there that's that's love... the problem right now is cars like i have no idea what's right around the corner but in an autonomous car world it's a network i would love for a vehicle to be able to detect that it just passed a moose mm-hmm. and connect or and make a connection with ways to let other drivers know hey there's moose around yeah how do we do it now <laughs> we blink our brakes i didn't realize that but it happened to me one time or flash Drive- your headlights Right. Depends on which way you're going. Yeah, yeah. But one time I was following a guy coming back from Chena Hot Springs at, you know, we're going like 50, 55, and he flashes his brakes. I'm like, what was that about? And my friend's like, you probably saw a moose. And it would come up and, yep, there's a moose. (laughs) So, yeah, what if cars, you know, that's part of the autonomous car network is they're all talking to each other. They know what's going on. And so one car can warn another of things that are that are coming up and you'd hope they have some kind of what is it infrared that could see animals on the side of the road a heat heat sensor type stuff oh that'd be weird that would that i yeah we could go down a rabbit hole with um uh, extra sensory technologies on the outside of vehicles right you know they had that in a car one time i don't know if you ever saw that apparently it didn't work very well but it was a heads-up display on some luxury car i thought it was maybe a cadillac that could see deer Beyond the headlights. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? I remember seeing a commercial, but I can't remember I what that was about. It apparently really stank. <laughs> um, but it seemed really cool. I used to have the whistles on my car. Oh, really? Because after hitting deer, yeah, the whistles that supposedly, they even say in the box, they're like, they're not going to scare deer because we couldn't have whistles scaring animals. Otherwise, cows would just be besides themselves. <laughs> but it will make them stop and look. So... You could steer around them. That that was what they talked about with the whistles. Yeah, dear man. But they cause a lot of problems. They do. And I don't know. The, I I hope that autonomous cars would have better luck. But sometimes, I mean, my mom had one just come flying over a railing one time and hit her car. And there's like, in the ones I hit, it was just, they were, we timed it perfect. They came booking out of the woods just as I came through, and it was, I don't know that an autonomous car could have done anything about it. Yeah, I think there are scenarios that still may be unavoidable. Mm-hmm. That makes me wonder. It also makes me wonder what would happen to motorcycle culture. Like, would you, would people riding bikes still be on the road? Would there be self-driving? That would be a hard thing. I would love if you could put some sort of like transponder like we have in airplanes that would tell your position because motorcyclists get screwed by regular drivers a lot Mm -hmm. a lot people aren't looking for them and so my first thought is an autonomous car might be a better friend to motorcycles because it's paying attention all the time and it's looking for motorcycles and bikes and not just cars but yeah imagine an autonomous motorcycle that would be a pretty terrifying thing but have you seen the ones that can self-level no yeah they have some of those Anyway, um, were there other things on the cons list that you want to address? I have one more. I don't know that I... Oh, I don't have anything off the top of my head, so why don't you go ahead? Okay. Mine isn't so much a con as it is a... 
ethical question, which is the your autonomous car is driving down the road and <laughs> there's a yeah, there's a moose in the middle of the road and there's two pedestrians on the shoulder. This is the does, trolley problem. Does the autonomous car kill you or does it kill swerve around to kill the other people? Yeah. And this is the thing that Wait, what about the moose? Or the moose, yeah. Does it hit the moose and kill you? Or does it swerve out of the way like one might, but then hit the pedestrians? Yeah, yeah. It's these like moral questions that get really awkward when it comes to how do you program in that sort of judgment? Yeah. How do you program judgment? That's a really big one. Mm-hmm. And who's who takes responsibility right. when something happens? Exactly. Yes. Is it the manufacturer, the driver, mm-hmm. the manufacturer, the third party standing somewhere? Right. Or is it the person that has developed the software? Right. Yeah. Who? Because if nobody's head gets chopped when a car, autonomous car, kills someone, then who's really going to own the problem yeah know? there's no accountability then exactly where's the accountability so that's that's the thing that is pretty sticky and that's what are you going to really do when you get, when you get into the autonomous car you're going to say there's three people in the car so if you have to decide between killing us and killing one or two pedestrians opt for the pedestrians Ooh. and then are people going to lie and put like sacks of flour in and be like there's three people in the car <laughs> I mean, my guess is that autonomous cars are just not going to divert, you know. They're not going to take evasive action. So they're always just going to hit where they're going to hit, even if they could swerve around something hmm. and avoid it. Interesting. Yeah. I I would want some sort of judgment-making capability in a system Mm-hmm. Even if it was the potential for an evasive maneuver, mm-hmm. it's like to find any escape route possible. Right. That's that's a hard one. I still think that it will be a, such a huge net gain in safety that it's going to more than offset things like this and yeah. reduce the potential for things like this. But nonetheless, these are things that we need answers to. <laughs> Well, you can't avoid that situation, whether you're in a self-driving car or a human-driven car. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have to make, like, there's always somebody losing in that particular scenario. If you have the trolley problem, Mm -hmm. someone's always losing. Right. So uh, at that point, it's moot. Yeah. I don't know. It's not an argument against a computer driving a car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the time my friend got in a car accident years ago and what happened was you know he's driving too close behind someone in a four-lane road um and uh they moved over to get out to to get past someone who was stopped turning left and he didn't have time to react so he made the call instead of hitting that person he swerved left and hit somebody coming toward him oh you know so he made that call and I had someone, I had this gray GMC Sonoma pickup truck, which was a piece of junk. And people never saw it because it was such a lousy truck (laughs) and it was gray. And so I had people cut me off all the time. Oh my gosh. And I had someone doing one of those uh, 
forced left, whatever you call it, the, the left turns where you have to yield. Mm-hmm. And they pulled out in front of me because they didn't see me and they stopped. Oh. And so it was like if they had kept going maybe, but they just kind of panicked. They saw me coming too late and so they stopped right in front of me. Oh, gosh. And so I, I didn't know it was to my right, so I swerved left into oncoming traffic around them and just oh. fortunately nobody was coming. Oh, and I feel anxious avoided just hearing it. this story. I know. Yeah. <laughs> An autonomous car would have just, you know, probably slammed on the brakes, but would have hit just driven right into them and not diverted. Oof. So, yeah, I haven't gotten into accidents, but that's a lot of dumb luck and just, yeah, I've had plenty of opportunities where I could have been in an accident, but the cards just played out, but whatever, however you phrase it. <laughs> Keep that. your fingers crossed. The thing that wherever things yeah fall anyway (laughs) so yeah that's kind of one of the big unanswered questions the moral judgments that autonomous cars are going to have to make and a lot of those are pretty dark so don't dwell on them too much but yeah humans are really bad at these decisions too humans are bad you're you're talking about the train car thing yeah where there's construction workers working on the on the train and on the on the railroad track yeah and so your option is to and you're at the switch yeah you're the switchman there are two people working on one track and there's mm-hmm. one person working on another track right how do you make the judgment call to switch which track the trolley goes down well and the key is that the trolley is headed toward the two people so those two people basically fate has decided will die but you can control it and turn it and direct it toward the one person, and then you decide that that guy is going to die. If you did nothing, it would kill the two people. So you have to decide right there: are are you going to kill the person who fate has, who normally would have been unaffected, um, or are you going to let more people die? Maybe yeah. another impact on the growth of self-driving cars in the world will be more lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I knew someone was going to get more, a job out of this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you, more you want to talk about with autonomous cars? Oh, wait. Uh, no, not, not that's on the top of my memory. Okay. So let's move on to things that blew us away this week. What blew you away, Rob? Well, Space always blows me away. The final frontier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, before I get into that, the, the main thing I want people to take with them from this week is if you are doing work on your car or anything for that matter, and there are open holes you would not want things to fall down into, plug those holes really well. I so even, many people are snickering right I now. Plugged, <laughs> I even today, I was plugging a, this other hole and stuff still went down that hole. Oh, Fortunately, I was able to fish it out, but I didn't plug the hole well enough. <laughs> So even after learning my lesson, I got my butt handed to me again on this. Oh it's so it's such a tragic story. I don't even want to like talk about how dumb I've been in this whole thing. But yeah, I was like, oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so from here on forward, that's why you're I was like, cover your holes. Cover your holes. <laughs> if you don't want anything to drop into them. If there's ever, if either you don't want to lose that piece, like I don't care about the bolt. If the bolt had just fallen through a drain pipe, fine. But it's the fact that it fell into my engine that was the problem. So cover your freaking holes. And I know what you're thinking, and I'm just letting you enjoy that. 
what blew me away, and it's always it's really easy for space to blow me away. But I was trying to remember why we are tidally locked with the moon, and tidally locked meaning we the same side of the moon is always facing Earth, and that that didn't really blow me away. But basically, like it used to be rotating, and then the the gravitational pull is so strong that the Earth is actually kind of football shaped. I guess I'm sorry, the moon is. Yeah. And so eventually, that one side just gets pulled by gravity so much that um, it evens out and um or, or it 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 flattens that rotation and it okay. just gets pointed at it so that's how we get tidally locked um but what blew me away was that eventually you know this the universe is constantly changing we think it's constant because there's you know seems to be 24 hours a day day after day after day but things are changing and eventually the earth and the moon will become locked, and the moon will always be in the same place. Hmm. It will stop rotating around the Earth. It already used to be closer. Like, you, you know, used to be significantly closer to the Earth, so it's gotten a little bit further away over time. I didn't realize it was falling away from the Earth. Yeah. Huh. But also, eventually, they'll become like, I don't know what you call that, but mutually tidally locked. So the moon will always be in this, you'll just look, it'll always be in the same place, or if you don't see it, you'll never see it. Wow. On top of that, I can't remember the number exactly. I wish I had looked this up. But when the moon passes over the earth, I think it's 16 inches is how much it raises the surface of the earth. Really? Yeah. What? So the moon is constantly lifting the earth toward it because it's a, you know, give and take. We pull on the moon, the moon pulls on us. We know it affects tides, but it also lifts the ground. That. That is that is actually amazing. That's the part that is blowing my mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, you you tell me about what yours while I Google exactly I just how much the moon lifts the earth. That this is the second thing that blew your mind that had to do with being tidally locked. Do you have an alert set up for things that are tidally locked? No. Are I you just sure? in, I just keep talking, keep thinking about it. <laughs> no, I don't have any alerts. In fact, I've been going through trying to delete how much much email I get. So I don't want to know about anything. (laughs) Um, Did you find the number? uh, I'm looking it up. Okay. All right. I'll I'll talk about the thing then that blew my mind while you're finding it. Yep. So the thing that blew my mind really was an article on Ars Technica where they, somebody had done some research on the lenses that oh what is the guy's name Leeuwenhoek Anthony Anthony von Leeuwenhoek had made way back in the day mm-hmm. it was of course they couldn't examine the lenses because the examples that they have of the microscopes that Leeuwenhoek had built um, were in museums and they didn't want to disassemble the microscopes because uh, they're all riveted together and you'd have to essentially tear them apart to take a look at the lenses. Mm-hmm. The reason that Leeuwenhoek's microscopes are so notable is the quality of his glass is really good for their, for the time period. And so they were, they're always wondering his technique and why it was so good. They wanted to take a better look at the shape of the lenses and see if they could sort of find a little bit more out about them. So there was a paper recently released where they are 
um, able now to examine these lenses using neutron tomography. Mm. So you don't need to disassemble these very old microscopes now to be able to look at the lenses. And the paper has photographs or images of the tomography, which are really interesting. Mm. And these lenses are super, super, super tiny. They're like millimeters in diameter. When you talk about lenses, you know, I think of the conventional ground lenses that are much bigger to see. These are tiny. These first microscopes are little tiny things that are not any bigger than four inches. Mm -hmm. And so that was really interesting to see the lens technology at that period of time um, was awful. And there were a handful of people that were working to improve it, Leeuwenhoek um, included. But this was also, Leeuwenhoek was working on improving the quality of glass lenses at a time when Vandermeer was also painting. And they lived in geographical proximity. And there are some people that think that Vandermeer, who painted um, these very realistic scenes, had used the camera obscura to do these paintings, and they think so, because you can tell there's some chromatic aberration in his paintings that looks like that you would see if you were looking through a lens. Oh, oh, interesting. So there's this really interesting confluence of lens technology, and I think it's um, in the Netherlands that... um, that happened all at the same period of time. And it really had these broad ramifications for the natural world um, and for the arts. Wow. Very cool. Did you find it? No. (laughs) But I was semi-listening. Isn't there like a huge... I I thought I saw... uh, I saw this documentary one time about... um, it's, is it Vermeer you're saying? Like, Are you talking about the documentary Tim's Vandermeer? Where yeah. there's a guy that learns how to yes. paint like Vandermeer? Yes. He gets really good. But he does it through this system mm-hmm. of the sort of camera obscura type thing. Of, right. of perfecting how to create you have this really bright room. and Yeah, but I'd never heard the thing about how the lens is actually affecting the artwork. Yeah, that's, wow. that's one of the artifacts of the painting that leads them to believe that Vandermeer was actually using a lens Mm -hmm. was the impurity of the lens image so cool yeah (laughs) yeah all right well i can't um i can't find this particular thing but it was it was striking i want to say it was like 16 inches that the the moon lifts the earth's surface when it comes around and that's that makes me worried for the structure of buildings (laughs) doesn't it really disconcerting (laughs) so i will see if i can find that link and we can post it (laughs) so we can actually be accurate why aren't there more earthquakes yes i'm always surprised by just how spongy the earth is yeah i mean i already talked about that thing where the the glaciers in alaska are melting and the ground is actually rising yeah, it's really weird. That's insane. Like, what? The, I jump on the ground. It doesn't move. Like, I can push it down a little bit. Like, a heavy truck runs over it. But You're imagine a whole glacier. Drop. Well, thank you. <laughs> Your COVID I'm weight is I'm coming down. I've lost I, about half my COVID weight now. Really? I'm doing pretty good. Congratulations. I don't eat when I'm upset. And so I haven't really oh. eaten the last three days. It's <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, looking ahead to next week, it's your choice again. It's my choice, but when we started, you were looking at the list, and then we got distracted, and then I forgot. 
Did we pick something? <laughs> no, you were supposed <laughs> to look at the list. <sighs> okay, now we're going to do through the magic of editing. We're going to give you a second to look. Okay. So, so through the magic of editing, no time passed for the audience. <laughs> you just look frustrated. I'm not pretending like we didn't just pause. That's not my frustrated face. That is my normal face. Oh, you have resting frustrated face. <laughs> what, what are we going to talk about next week? We're going to talk about drones. Cool. Yes. And also through the magic of editing, I found the video and it's 12 inches. Is how much the earth rises whenever, as, as a result of the, uh, the pull of the moon. That's unbelievable. So, yeah, you should go f figure out where the moon is exactly lined up over the earth and then stand there and feel yourself go up 16 inches and then come back. Sorry, I keep going back to 16. 12 <laughs> inches and then come back down. That's crazy. Like, how do we build anything on an earth that's changing like this? I, I don't have know. no idea. But uh, thanks, Magic of, of Editing. <laughs> Yay. Yay. And thank you, Kristen. And I look forward to talking about drones next week. Yeah. Thanks, that Rob. That will be fun. Thanks for listening to the In Stuff podcast. If you'd like to join the discussion or see links to the things we referenced in today's episode, feel free to pop on over to instuffpodcast.com. That's the letter N, stuffpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the InStuff podcast, check out my other podcast, Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. In each episode, we share amazing true stories from Alaska told by the Alaskans who experienced them. The New York Times recently called Dark Winter Nights the best winter podcast for storytelling lovers. Check out Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, wherever you get your podcasts or at darkwinternights.com. The InStuff podcast is sponsored by ScratchBand. Just stop touching your face. Don't make me explain why anymore. It's gross. I don't care if you buy ScratchBand or come up with some other way to do it, but just quit. I mean, it's the easiest way I've found to quit touching my face, but, you know, whatever works for you. ScratchBand, join the evolution. More information at scratchband.life, also available on Amazon.com.